So as you see, we're in the Psalms. And the Psalms are fantastic book to go to for just, as it says here, the raw human experience, right? I love the way that all the writers in the Psalms, and especially David, pours out his heart. He cries out to God, and he says, hey, I need your help. And we're going to talk about that today. You know, we've seen this thing going on in the media where we talk about, where people are talking about lives matter. I saw the greatest thing the other day. I think it was on Facebook. I don't know where I saw it at, but it said, Jesus settled this 2,000 years ago, right? All lives matter, right? All lives matter. Everyone, you know, and and I'm using that platform to go here. Prayer matters. You know, if we're going to grow strong in Christ, if we're going to be the kind of devoted believers that we need to be that makes an impact on the world around us, prayer. You know, what are the pillars of faith? Pillars of faith are this, right? Prayer, the word, fellowship, like what we're doing right here, and evangelism. Now, I think evangelism is probably one of the most neglected ones. That one's not always the easiest thing to do, although we try. And I think prayer is the second neglected one. And if I was to ask you the question that, of course, any time that I'm asking you a question, I've asked myself the same question. What's your prayer life today? You know, when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, what's your prayer life today? And I said, a lot of times I have to kind of lower my head and kick the sand a little bit and say, you know, I got to it last week. I wanted to get to it yesterday. I wanted to do it the day before, but I didn't quite get there. And what happens? Life gets busy, things crowd us out, and before you know it, we're not spending time with the Lord. Prayer is simply communication. It's simply communicating with the Lord. And so often, what kind of a relationship can we have if we don't spend time with Jesus? So my desire and the goal for this message tonight, and I believe more importantly it's the desire of the Lord, is for us to leave here with a real heart and a zeal to want to spend more time with God. You know, in our, in our church, when somebody would come to know the Lord, we had these new believer packets. And inside the new believer packet was uh, a, a, a pamphlet by Billy Graham organization that was called uh, Christ My Heart, My Home. And if you ever get a chance, you can Google it, look it up. But it's about the new beginning of a, a new believer and how excited they are to spend time with prayer. And they give this word picture of going into the library and sitting down with Jesus and talking to him. And then you do that for a while. And then the next day you get busy and you run by Jesus. I'm going to catch up to you a little later. I'll get back to you. And it goes on and on and on until years down the road, Jesus is sitting in the library by himself. And it was just a warning to the new believers and to, and it's a warning for us too. Man, let's not neglect prayer. It's amazing as we're going to see in Psalm 86 today, it's amazing how David, as he's praying and crying out to the Lord, that he comes to the revelation of understanding that God's, uh, the, uh, the revelation of God's excellency, of his majesty, of what an amazing God that he is. So as we walk through this today, we're, we're going to understand more than ever, and I pray that we will, that prayer truly matters. We're going to talk about three questions. We're going we're to try to answer four questions. I'm sorry. It started out as three, now it's four. All right, and the computer people back there are going, oh, no, he's not changing it now. I've only changed it three times in the last two hours. So first of all, <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. Trust me. All right. Why pray? How are we pray- or who are we praying to? How do we pray? And what are the effects of prayer? So let's get started. If you have your Bibles, open to Psalm 86. And the title of this message is Prayer Matters. Psalm 86, verse 1. 
Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. You have mercy on me, Lord, for I call on you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, and put my trust in you, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good and abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Let's stop there. First of all, why pray? Why pray? Is God really listening anyway? Have you ever been in that position, in that place of your life? You know, for you prayer warriors, that's, that doesn't even cross your mind. But for the rest of us, there's times where we're in such a place of despair. We say, God, what am I praying to? Am I praying to the sky? Am I praying to the, you know, to the four winds? Are you hearing me? Do you hear my voice? Do you know what I need? Are you willing to, you know, to answer me? You know, when I first came to Christ, and I didn't come to Christ until I was 30 years old, I, I couldn't wait. I, I, I came from a Catholic background, and we really didn't pray. Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't have prayer meetings. We didn't, you know, we didn't pray a lot, okay, other than in church, and it was all kind of stiff. And I couldn't wait when I came to Christ to go to a prayer meeting. Does that sound crazy? Okay, I, I'd never been to a prayer meeting. I heard all kinds of cool things happen at prayer meetings. People get healed. You know, I, I can jump higher than I usually can, do backflips maybe. You know, I don't know. Maybe something crazy is going to happen. I didn't know anything about prayer. So I got together with a bunch of people that, at that point, we were planting Calvary, uh, Calvary Chapel in 1990, and none of them knew how to pray either. So we all got together, and it was interesting. We all kind of, we talked about our experience later, and as we all got together for corporate prayer, we were peeking, saying, who's looking, right? Who's paying attention? You know, who's looking to who's praying? But you know what? Once we started down that path, I couldn't, I couldn't quit reaching out and speaking to the Lord. And David here... Look how he starts out. Why do we pray? Well, simply this. Because we're needy. Okay, hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Okay, that word needy in the Hebrew, I'm not even going to pronounce it because I'm going to butcher it, but it really means simply this. Destitute, poor, destitute beggar, subject to oppression and abuse. Does that sound like you? Sound like me? Anytime you try to stand up for Jesus Christ in the marketplace today, right? Isn't that you? They're like, oh, come on, go away. Come on, you guys, you religious people, you just stay over there in the corner where you belong. You know, we don't want to talk about that. But you know, David recognizes his need. And why do we pray? Because we have needs. David is crying out and he's saying, hey, my enemies are against me. My enemies are out to destroy me. My enemies are at the door knocking. God, all I'm looking for is your grace and your mercy. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever asked the Lord, hey, I, you know what? I'm in a place. I'm in a place. I don't, have, I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I don't have the patience. I need your help, Lord. I need your help. You know, and it's interesting. What do we get when we pray? Because it's, it's, we, we think about that, don't we? I mean, I, I hate to say it. It's the human side of us. But when I'm praying, I'm expecting an answer. And David was expecting an answer. So what is it that we receive when we pray? What, is, is it just something we do? Is it a ritual? Because if it becomes a ritual and a routine and it's not a conversation, like a conversation that you have with your wife or your husband or your friend, it's that kind of conversation, then it becomes very stiff and it becomes more dutiful than it does anything else. 
You know what God wants? He desires from the beginning of time when he created us. He desires companionship with us. He just wants to hear our voice. And David recognized that. That's why he wrote so many of the Psalms. David's like, I know, God, you can do something. He he says here, you know, this whole thing that he cries out and he says, answer me, for I am poor and needy. In Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, Okay, and some of you may know this. I won't spend a bunch of time here. You can put it up if you'd like. Okay, um, oh, this is great. I never had a monitor before. That's awesome. I don't have to dig, I don't have to dig it out of my Bible. That's very cool. Uh-oh, the time says I better hurry up, though. All right, here I go. Okay, Matthew 7, 7 and 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Why do we pray? Because we're seeking answers, right? Aren't you? I, I'm, I want to know. Why do people, why do, why, do, why do things like what's happening in the world do happen? Well, we know it's because of sin. We understand those things, but there was good people in those crowds. There were good police officers that were in that place. Why do those kind of things happen? And we're asking, and God's answering. He's saying, hey, I'm in control. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm here for them. I'm here for their family. There's a reason and a purpose and a plan. Seek. Have you diligently, am I diligently seeking the Lord in prayer? David did. David did all the time. Last week, Psalm 51, you guys talked about David's sin, right? And that's a, that's a heavy subject, isn't it? You know, in our, in our grace group, it was interesting to me how many people really, you know, really, you know, that message sunk home and we understand it, right? But... Do we seek the Lord in the good times and in the bad? In all the times, Lord, I just need to know what you want me to do next. Because I don't know about you. I just want to know what God's will is. The next day, I want to know what he wants me to do. I'm looking for opportunity. God, who do you want me to witness to today? Or who do you want me just to help through the things I do more than I say? We ask, he answers. We seek, and that word seek means to look diligently. And then we knock on the door. We knock on the door, and Jesus opens up and says, come on in, friend. Come on in. So why wouldn't we want to communicate with God? You know, and I'm making an assumption here, so let me back up. I'm assuming that we don't pray like we should, right? There's those of you that do, and praise God for you, and thank you for the fact that you're praying for each and every one of us, and praying, and all the people on your prayer chain. I don't, I don't know about you guys. I don't have my phone on me, but I have this little prayer app. And this is a good tool for you. It's called the uh, Echo Prayer app. If you get a chance, throw it on your phone. And maybe you've used it before. And this Echo Prayer app, you, you can plug people's prayer requests. How many times has somebody said, hey, I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray for you, sister. I'll pray for you, right? What I do is I take that app, I pull it up, I drop their name in it, something real quick. They need healing, they need provision, they need whatever, right? And I drop it in there. And then my, in my uh, devotion time in the morning, some days, okay, for those of you that are on my Echo Prayer app, just so you know, don't always pray for you by name. Uh, take care of all the people in my pray Echo Prayer app, all right? But they're there, and God knows, and he knows their needs, right? I know, and, and those of you, I'm trying to get you all by name, but that list is getting longer and longer all the time, okay? Uh, but I can, I can do what? I can put that on the altar. I can say, Lord, you know what? You know the needs. You know, this is just a tool for me to hold them into. And Lord, I want you to take care of those things for me. 
So secondly, hey, I like this. The prompter says, it's time to move on, dude. You've turned enough time on that point. All right. <laughs> well, let, me, let me finish up with that, one more thing right here, all right? Uh, he, says to, he says, guard my life, that he's faithful. He trusts in God. You know, he says here in verse 2, okay, I call to you all day long. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Pray continuously, right? And Billy Graham one time was asked by Barbara Walters. He had an interview with Barbara Walters. And she said, Billy, she goes, you've been one of the most amazing evangelists of all times. You know, you've had such success. She goes, what do you accredit your success to? He looked at her, you know, what's the secret to the Billy Graham success? He says, it's prayer. He says, I'm praying right now as I'm talking to you, Barbara. He says, I'm praying. I mean, prayer doesn't mean to, that I have to be on my face. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, a car window prayer, that's a great place. I love that. I was cruising along in my car, right, and just crying out to the Lord. That's a great place to pray. Pray without ceasing. However it works for you, you figure it out. You know, but Billy Graham said, you know, get your people praying and keep them praying. That's how a church becomes strong. That's how an individual in Christ becomes strong as we get on our face for the glory of God. David understood that. And he knew. And he says, you are my God. Have mercy on me, O Lord. For I call to you all day long, like we said, without ceasing. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cries for mercy. What was he doing? Crying out for mercy. Do you think David was needy? Do you think he wanted something? Do you, are we needy today? Do we need God's power in our lives? Absolutely we do. And it says here in verse 7, when I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Do we only call on the Lord when we're in distress? David knew that when he was in distress, God would answer him. But David also knew when things were going well, God would answer him. David also knew when he was in the depths of sin, if he would just run back to the Father, that God would answer him. God wants to answer our needs. He wants to meet our needs for the glory of God. But he's asking us to do what? Like we said in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, ask, seek, and knock. Our second, our second question who are we praying to? Note this, as David goes along in this psalm, something happens. You see something change. You say, wow, you know, what's up? Something changes in the way his demeanor and the way that he prays it. Wait, wait a minute. You know, I'm crying out to God. I'm asking for needs. I'm acting like, you know, I, I, I don't think they can get answered. But I serve a mighty God. I serve an excellent God. Let's see what he says here. In verse 8, among the gods, there is none like you. That word gods right there, it means idols. Okay, it means the pagan gods that they were, that the, it, the well, obviously, that the pagans were worshiping at the time. That's uh, gods with a small g. There is none like you, Lord, right? That is um, Adonai. He's using the word, you are my Lord, you are my master, you are my protector. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And that word for God right there is Elohim. He uses the word Elohim where he talks about God as being uh, majestic, mighty, powerful. Do you see the transition here? Lord, help me, help me, help me. Lord, I know you can help me because you are good. You know, 
we talked, and I'll be careful not to hang too closely to my notes, but the word Lord, Adonai, displays the title of reference. And then I explained to you gods, and then Elohim, supreme ruler, judge, and magistrate. All nations will worship. You know, God created all the nations, and you know, I guess this is you know, kind of academic or kind of simple, and we understand that. But do you know that it tells us in Romans 14.11, which is actually referring back to Isaiah 45.23, that there's going to be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It will do what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. So wow, you know what? We have that God, the one and only true God that can answer our prayers, can answer our prayers, will answer our prayers. And some people say, but yeah, but I haven't got an answer. I've prayed for years. I've prayed for loved ones for years. They haven't got saved. What's going on, Lord? What's the deal? It says, let's see, I've done the corporate prayer where two or, matter, where two or more together to pray in your name, right? And that didn't happen. You know, and we can kind of catch ourselves going down this negative, uh, no offense to Nancy, negative Nancy trail, right? And say, God's not answering. But how does God answer prayer? He answers it three ways, right? Yes, no, wait. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Don't like wait. I can deal with yes. I can deal with no. But I hate wait. I hate wait. But you know what? We have to understand about God and when we lift up our prayers. What are we doing? Are we asking God to change his mind? Is that the deal? Does God change his mind? Does he have a mind to change? Is he, is he a God that does that? Absolutely not. Prayer changes things, but it changes you and me. It helps us to understand what God's will is. And he will not force his will on someone else. He'll present to them. The Holy Spirit will convict them. They'll bring them to the water to drink. But if they choose not to drink it, there's not much we can do. But once again, get on our face. Right? Get on our face for the glory of God. Because we serve a mighty God. He's the, he is the one that can forgive us. John 5, 24 says, we passed, when we came to Jesus Christ, we passed from death to life. We passed from eternal death to eternal life. How amazing is that, right? That's the God we serve. How, he, he's the one who gives, us, uh, or who gives us access to the throne of grace. In Hebrews 4, 16, he said we can go come boldly before the throne of grace. You know what? You don't need a pastor to pray for you. You don't need a pastor to pray for your, your loved ones in the hospital. You don't, uh, don't get me wrong, pastors love to pray. And we love to pray with uh, congregants and we love to pray with other believers and non-believers alike. No, don't get me wrong, we sure do. But you don't have to have that pastor or that profession clergy to share the gospel. I mean, to, I'm sorry, to pray for somebody effectively. Do you? you don't, we don't need to do that. Because God is the one who gives us the boldness to access the throne of grace. And I, I'll tell you, the more that I think about prayer and the more that I think about God and what he's done for my life, the throne of grace is a place where I like to camp out. I don't know about you. I like to camp out. I like his unmerited favor. I like the fact that even though I'm not always perfect, you know, if my wife was here most of the time, okay, that's a joke. Okay, I'm going to have to work on my delivery. Okay. Um, but we access the throne of grace for the glory of God for ourselves and for others. A direct communication. There's one mediator between God, right? Uh, between God and man, the Lord Christ Jesus. And that's what we have to remember. That's who we're communicating to. You know, and he is the one who gives us victory. 
When we pray, we should remember we are praying to a mighty God who is omniscient, omnipresent, and powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and nothing is impossible for him, as we see in Matthew 19.26. Who are we praying? Who we pray to matters, right? And how we pray to him matters, and we'll talk about that next. Verse 9. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths and the realm of death. How do we pray? Well, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. David is laying out for the Lord what he would like him to do for him. But for you and I, and for David also, don't you wonder, is there some way to pray more effectively than the way I'm praying today? Well, if you're communicating God and you're being honest and open with him, I don't know that you can communicate any better. But the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, and we see it in verses uh, 9 through uh, 13, right? That's not necessarily the Lord's Prayer. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. A lot of people call it the Lord's Prayer, but it was an example for prayer. His disciples were asking him, hey, how do we pray? I don't, know, I don't know how to get there, God. I mean, Jesus, you say something, you click, you know, you say something and things happen, right? But he says this. This, oh, there we go. <laughs> I love this thing. This is awesome. Uh, um, uh, although my time's getting short. Can you bump that up? No. Um, <laughs> this is what it says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, which means holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right? First of all, give God all the glory. Second of all, we're praying for his will on earth as it is in heaven. I want your will from heaven here on earth. Give us today our daily bread. Provision. Is it selfish to pray for provision? Absolutely not. It shows that we trust in the Lord. It shows that we're trusting in him. One of the biggest problems I think we have in America is because we've had such great provision that we don't have to count on the Lord like we did at one time. Once again, I'm, I'm good with provision. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Do we have debts? Do we have sins? Do we have trespass? In the, in the King James, it says trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespassers. Forgiveness. So, so what's the order here? Glorify God. Seek God's will for your life, right? Pray for provision. Pray for forgiveness, to give it and to receive it. That's a rough one. I don't know. You know, pray for those who despitefully use you. It tells us in Matthew, really? I don't know. I've had some people despitefully use me. I, haven't, I don't know that I quite, I've quite gotten there yet, but I know that I should. I know that I need to. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What is David talking about here? He's saying, these guys are evil. These guys are wicked. These guys that are coming after me, they're, they're, they're attacking me. 
And I need your help, God. I need your grace and your mercy to deliver me. Whether I deserve it or not, it's another deal. But at the end of the day, I want you to deliver me. So what you see in Matthew is God's model for prayer. Not a bad model. Not a bad model to get you kind of online in the way that you pray. Not a must, but it's a good, I mean, obviously, Jesus put it there for a reason. It's in the scriptures for the reason. And we see David really following this pattern in this psalm, isn't he? He's saying, God, I need you. God, you're almighty. God, take care of my enemies. God, don't let me be involved in temptation. Don't let me be involved with the evil one. This world tugs on our, on our heartstrings in a million different directions that would take us away from God. Prayer is the vehicle that will keep us plugged into him for his glory. So that's basically how we pray. I'll give you a quick rundown on, the, on uh, a little more practical in the way of how we pray. Specifically, continually, corporately, honestly, faithfully, because the just shall live by faith. So now, let's look at the effects of prayer, because that's where, that's where I want to go, right? I want to know, what are the effects of prayer, right? Oh, I keep picking up my Bible, and it's right here. This is so cool. <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, me and technology are, uh, <laughs> what are the effects of prayer? It says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, right? Unity with you. How are we ever going to have unity with God unless we spend time communicating with him? That I may fear your name. That word fear right there? Are we supposed to be afraid of God? Should we run around shaking and going, ah, he's going to stamp me out, right? He's going to squash me like a bug. Are we supposed to be afraid of God? Is that what that means? No. It means reverence. That, that word means reverence. It means that we have a... We don't want to disappoint him. I don't know how else to put it for those of you that have children that are always trying to please you or we've all uh, been children, right? And we want to please our parents. It's not so much the fact that you get caught, although if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're trying not to get caught. You don't want to get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, Right? You're trying not to get caught. But the bigger thing is when your parents are disappointed. The bigger thing is when your parents came to you and said, you know what, I'm really disappointed with you. I don't want to disappoint God. David didn't want to disappoint God. He talked about, you know, uh, he says, teach me your way. I want to know more about you. Uh, I want to reverence your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths from the realm of death. You know, the effects of prayer are deliverance. David's, what's, we talked about being needy up front. We need a lot of things. David was needy and he recognized the fact that God could deliver him from death. God could deliver him from death. He's delivered. If you know Jesus Christ, if you're, you know, obviously you're here, but if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he, de he delivered you from an eternal death. And he took that death himself on the cross. That's how much he cares about you and he cares about me. And he cares about everyone out there. And we just got to get out there and share the word. But, but we won't ever have the power to do that unless we spend time before the Lord in prayer. It says, arrogant foes, okay, let me try this again. Bleed, 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 that's all, folks. Um, arrogant foes are attacking me. <laughs> Sometimes my, uh, my inside voice just comes right out. <laughs> 
Eric, <laughs> arrogant foes are attacking me. Oh God, ruthless people are, are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. <laughs> Does that sound like anything you know today? People have no regard for God. They have no regard for what's right. They have no regard for what's wrong. Think, things haven't changed a lot. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? Things haven't changed a lot from then till they are today. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. Don't forget this. God is a compassionate and gracious God even towards the lost because he wants them to come to him. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show me your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. A couple, a couple key notes here. Okay, first of all, but you, Lord, are compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Can you think of a New Testament scripture that embodies that same kind of idea? It's not a test. 1 Corinthians 13, right? Faithful, loving, kind, long-suffering. That's the God we serve. How amazing. I mean, the more that I've studied this message, the more that I talk, the more that I see that, that clock ticking, uh, the more that I want to spend time with the Lord. Sorry, squirrel. <laughs> um, He says, save me because I serve you just as my mother did. You know, in the New Testament, Timothy, his mother Eunice, right? They, they did what? They prayed for him. They trained him up. You know, one of the things for parents, one of the best things you can do is pray for your kids. I mean, spend time praying for your kids. You know that James Dobson, for over 20 years, him and his wife, every Monday, fasted and prayed for their children. Their children are all involved in ministry. I'm kind of, I have to say, I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'll have to repent of coveting. But, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, they spent time lifting their kids up before the Lord. You know, and there's an interesting story. How many of you know who Su Susanna Wesley is? Well, you probably didn't. Yeah, some of you, a couple of you do. She is the mother of John and Charles Wesley. They were, John Wesley preached to over a million people, uh, I believe it was in the 16th or 17th century. And then Charles, and my dates may not be completely correct, and then Charles wrote over 9,000 of the hymns that we serve today. Check this out. His mom, their mom, they had 10 children. The dad was an, uh, uh, a traveling preacher of some sort and was never around. And they were broke. Uh, they were constantly being ridiculed and harassed because his messages were fire and brimstone types of messages and, and the people harassed them constantly. And she devoted two hours a day to prayer. And she told her children, okay, her 10 children. Can you imagine 10 children, okay, running around your house? You know, I had three. And when they were little, you know, I'm like, okay, Kathy here, can you take care of these? No. Um, that's my wife's name. Uh, she would take her apron and she'd put it up over her head and she told her kids, when my apron's over my head, I'm in my prayer room. Don't mess with me, okay? And she would pray. And how I'm sure it was in between making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and changing a diaper over here and doing that. But she did that consistently, no matter what was going on in her life, threw that, threw that, uh, uh, that apron up over her head and she would pray to the Lord. And she had great kids that came out to do great things for the Lord. So parents, I tell you, pray for your children. David's mother obviously set some kind of example for him. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it 
and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. You know, we live in a world that needs prayer. Prayer truly matters. John Bunyan, the 17th century preacher and writer who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, says this, You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Prayer matters. You know, in 1857, there was a great awakening. There was a, there was a revival. It was the stock market had crashed. The economy was horrible. People were jumping out of windows. Businessmen who lost everything. And there was a businessman by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere. And you can look it up. Jeremiah Lamphere had lost everything. But he decided instead of jumping out of a window, he would go to the local church. And he went to the local church and they asked him, hey, can you put together a prayer meeting? Now, nobody prayed during that time. The, up until that, until that, till that crash, the, 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 you know, the, that, the, the people were prosperous and they had everything they needed. And nobody, everybody just kind of rejected God. And so he went and he set things up and he had this flyer that he made up. Okay, maybe it's one of the first church flyers. And you got to listen to this. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm in the negative. All right, here we go. Here's, here's his handbill that he put out for his first prayer meeting in downtown New York when everything was upside down in America. As often as the language of prayer is in my heart, as often as I see my need of help, as often as I feel the power of temptation, as often as I am made sensible of any spiritual declension, or feel the aggression of a worldly spirit. In prayer, we leave the business of time for that of eternity and interaction with men for interaction with God. A day prayer meeting is held every Wednesday from 12 to 1 in, in their building in the rear of the North Dutch Church corner of Fulton and William Street. And so he went on to say, so here he was, his first day, he gets out there, he sits down, he's ready to go for prayer. Sure, everybody's going to come. Nobody shows. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, nobody. Then one person walks through the door. Then another, then another. There were six of them, the first prayer meeting, six of them. They, they, they started to pray, and they realized, you know what, we need to do these daily instead of weekly. So they started doing them daily. By the end of six weeks, there was 10,000 people at this prayer meeting, and that Revival swept across the nation. You couldn't go anywhere without having a prayer meeting. Does prayer matter? It absolutely matters. It matters to our lives. It matters to our families. It matters to our communities. It matters to our nation and it matters to our world. And I'll tell you, you know, when Jeff asked me to do this message, I thought, wow, this is a great message. I love prayer, and I do love prayer. But I recognized my deficiency in it. But I also don't want to leave you on that note. I recognized how much God has done for me in prayer. And how much has he done for you in prayer? If we took testimonies right now, way back in the day when I accepted Christ in the Little Baptist Church, we had Wednesday night testimony night. Anybody remember those? Right? Wednesday night testimony night. I jumped up and said, yeah, my refrigerator wasn't working. I kicked it at work. Praise Jesus, right? <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> it was funny then, it's even funnier now. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, right, I started thinking, and I, I'll close with this. 
Now, the, my congregation that I had, my congregation at Calvary Chapel, I used to tell them I get three closings. But those of you Calvaryites that are still here, I'll just do one. All right? I promise. Because my ticker says that I'm over time. Okay. My wife and I, we were married for approximately three years. Didn't know the Lord. Came to the Lord at that time. Went ahead and had a baby. We're having a baby. She's having the baby. I'm watching. Okay. I'll make that clear. All right. And uh, we were having, she was having all kinds of problems in her pregnancy. So finally, we get it all figured out. Uh, the baby, the cord's wrapped around the baby's neck. I'm sitting in the, my little chair with my little booties on. I'm going to go into the, into the room to see him deliver the baby. Zoom, they come flying by me. They say, you stay there. And it was an emergency because you know, he, lost, he lost his heartbeat. And so the next time I see the baby and my wife, and she said that it was, within, it was Children's Hospital, and um, not Children's Hospital, I'm sorry, uh, City Hospital. She said inside of 60 seconds, they had that baby out and breathing. That's awesome, right? Um, but the next time I see him, he's on a board. Collapsed lung, convulsions. They believe brain damage. And so... Um, I said, all right, Lord, I don't know what this is all about. I came to you. I thought this was going to be good. This is a good thing. And now we got some problems. He's all strapped to a board the first time I see him. Got all kinds of tubes in him. I can't even tell. Can't see him. They whisk him off the children's hospital. And got my wife in, in, uh, in, in city. He's down there. I go down there. They're telling me, you got 48 hours. We don't know. What's gonna, we can't promise you anything. You know, he lost a, you know, he didn't have oxygen for this amount of time. We don't know what kind of damage is going to be there. We don't even know if he'll live. I said, wow, okay. Uh, you know, now I'm really dis, you know, disillusioned. Next thing I know, my prayer family, my church family from my little Clinton Free Will Baptist Church, right? The ones that we were kicking the refrigerator. They show up. And they show up and they all get together and we pray like crazy. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, no, I need to be in with the baby. But I also knew I needed to be there. And we spent, I don't know how long, we spent a long time in prayer, and we did that day after day. Or I should say we did that for the first day. It was about the third day I went in, and I'd been praying, and I'd been praying with the group, and everybody was praying for us. And the nurse said, well, the baby could hear your voice when he was in, you know, in your wife's womb. She said, say something that you used to say to her. My wife would die if she heard me say this. <laughs> She'll be here next service, so I'll have to change the story. <laughs> I used to rub her stomach and say, I wish Cotton was a monkey. Okay, you guys remember the Little Rascals cartoon? I wish Cotton was a monkey. I wish Cotton was a monkey, right? Cotton turned into a monkey. Okay, and I used to just jokingly do that. So here's the baby. Has not opened his eyes. Hasn't, we're not sure whether he's going to make it. I put my hands in those little rubber glovey things that you're not allowed to, because you, know, you can't touch them. And I said, I wish Cotton was a monkey. His eyes opened up. He looked over at me, and it was like, whoa, I'm home. I was just waiting for someone to talk to me. And you know what? From that point forward, he got better. They said he'd be in the hospital for at least two months. He was in there for 14 days. We got him out. He's as good as gold today. He's my oldest son, two granddaughters, the one that's, you know, doing worship in Medina. So, you know what? Prayer works. Prayer matters. You know what? Don't get discouraged if your prayers aren't answered the way you want. God has a purpose and a plan and he knows so much better than we do. Let's just get on our face and give it to the glory of God. Let's close in prayer.